Welcome to Revdem interview on French presidential elections, France more generally, as well as about the state of conservatism in France, with Leticia Sark Bonnard, uh, essayist, journalist, columnist, and editor in chief of, of uh, L'Expre. Uh, those of you who watch French TV will know uh, Leticia for sure, as she's star of numerous evening shows on, on, on politics and culture in, in France. Uh, Leticia also wrote three books. Uh, including Vodové uh, Conservateur, that's your first book, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then your, your last book uh, is uh, De la France, uh, about France, actually the, yes. the, and the, the title so, is The, the Country is New, that's the second part of the, of the title, if I'm not mistaken. And, and then you wrote also a book uh, in between about men, actually. Yes, that's, that's, the title was uh, Are Men Obsolete? Are men in French, but I'm yes, translating in English. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's also a topic that we that we wrote uh, uh, last year in Redden was well, they, our readers were very interested in it so so the, that's why I think that it, it might be interesting for, for our viewers and readers uh, um, as well um, so if I may start from the from from your your last book actually and from the opening scene of this of this uh, book where you describe uh, uh, your meeting with uh, with uh, French president you were part of the of, of a group of I think 60 intellectuals academics uh, uh, um, invited to, uh, to, the, to, the, to the presidential palace to discuss the state of France, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And your impression uh, in the book was that uh, a lot of what was said, including by, by the president, was actually a bit banal and uh, uh, at times, I don't know, mediocre, maybe it's not the right word, but 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 not so not so fascinating. Uh, so I wanted to ask if, if the president is 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 is, is banal uh, uh, and, uh, and also maybe maybe more more seriously, how would you classify uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, politically or ideologically? Mm -hmm. So first of all, thank you very much for your kind invitation. I'm very happy and honored. Uh, to be able to, to speak with you today. Um, so that's the first time I'm, I'm speaking in, in English about my, my book, so it, it's great. So um, about uh, Emmanuel Macron, which to be honest is a bit of a mystery for everyone and included in France. Um, uh, is, he, is he banal first? Uh, I wouldn't say that at all. Uh, I think he's an exceptional Person, I'm not saying that as a, you know, judgment. It's more than he's done something exceptional, being elected as a president without any support from a party five years ago. He created his own party. I'm saying all that, and I'm not a supporter of him. Uh, I can explain that later, or at least I'm not a total supporter of, of everything he does. But first of all, I have to admit he's exceptional. Uh, in the French context. When I wrote that in my book that he, there was some banalities exchanged during this meeting, I was, I was more, uh, I was more um, describing the whole atmosphere that is uh, the president, but all the other people. Uh, they, the whole conversation was, um, I, I think, full of, um, you know, cliches and it was not very deep and also the president was speaking a lot that, that's another thing that makes it 
him exceptional is that he's he has a lot of resilience he's uh, he can speak for a very long time everyone was very tired and he spoke more than the other people and in, i found it a bit strange to invite thinkers to a meeting and not listen to them and speak more than them so that was a bit bizarre that was banal but that was bizarre and to me it was uh totally emblematic of uh french politics being very centralized so you have a center you have a president and you have you you the president is calling people to come to him to speak to him and then and all the, the thinkers come and i was also very critical of the fact that he mainly called um well not necessarily famous people but established people from universities um and not really independent thinkers uh the one selling books uh the one working in think tanks and that kind of people so that that's to answer your first question about uh his banality mm -hmm. then uh who is macron ideologically it's very hard to describe him because um it could be a a lot of the different things at first when he arrived five six years ago he was a minister in uh, francois Hollande's, uh not francois Hollande's government um people thought he was a free marketeer so we said we would say in french a liberal in li liberal in french means free marketeer and also it should mean liberal for policies but it doesn't mean liberal in the American sense of progressive. Although Macron was also seen as someone progressive coming from the left and wanted to give people the ability to succeed. I would say a kind of Tony Blair in a way. Mm -hmm. But during him the latest five years, he was supported more and more by conservatives so right-wing people attached to his very well the uh you know the the lowering of taxes the stability of government the pre pro uh, enterprise policy and he lost some of the left-wing supporters who found he was too harsh and he was deemed very harsh for example and i don't know if these kind of things are uh, talked about in foreign countries, but he he's very, you know, he's he's he has a tendency to speak everything he very easily, and he is not very politically correct in the sense that he said, for example, to a man in the street coming to him and telling him, "I need a job, I can't find a job." He told him, "Well, you just need to cross the street and you'll find a job." So I have no idea if these things are talked about uh, in your country. Or in yeah, Europe, yeah, probably, yeah. yes. Yes, 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 yes. And he is hated for that, and he is considered to consider to be too arrogant, to 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 aloof. Um, and so I would say personally, and I wrote that in the book, that he's an extreme centrist, and I am very happy because he told that a few days ago. He said, I'm an extreme centrist. But I didn't invent this concept. This concept, uh, I, I take it from a, a French thinker called Alain Gérard Slama. I don't know if you've heard of him. A lib liberal in the political sense. He's older now, but he wrote a lot of books in the 80s, 90s about um, the um, risk adverse mind 
of democracies, of uh, you know what we call the principe de précaution, the fact we are um, afraid of uh, all the possible risks and that politics is now about avoiding the risk and helping people and preventing all diseases. And he was you know, very good at seeing in advance that um, the experts would play a much, a much more important role in the future. So he knew he was not necessarily talking about the pan pandemic. I mean, a pandemic is something extreme. So I wouldn't say that the ex it was wrong to you know work a lot with experts during the pandemic. But Slama, and I agree with him, was saying that politics would be less and less political and more and more technical, technocratic. And he was he called that extreme cent extreme center in the sense that. Uh, it's a way of seeing politics has a debate between right and wrong and not between good and less good. And uh, um, as if there was a reasonable party or rational party, that's the extreme center, and all the other ones uh, are wrong, they are irrational, they are conspirationist. And that's a little bit what Macron is in the, in the say that, He's keen to avoid the left-right division. He never said I'm, I'm on the left and on the right, but he's keen on saying we are in the good side of the rational debate, and that's why you should vote for us. And I, uh, I don't know and if it's a good political stance, because in that way, you are not saying to your opponents that they, are, um, they don't have good positions, but you tell them they are wrong and uh it's i don't think it's a good way to have a political conversation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This, this is very in, in, interesting because uh um the, the when we talk about the this um um relationship between conservatives and uh, uh so liberal conservatives centrist conservatives and the, mm -hmm. the the conservatives who are often depicted as reactionaries or populists uh then this being on the on the who is on the right side who is on the wrong side is, is more complicated uh i i guess so so so, so here i want to ask you uh, um because this is, this is also quite central to the to the this election uh marine le pen was also seen or is seen by many people as 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 as, as conservative or she's seen as conservative the president actually from time to time as well uh so so if, if i may may ask you both in relation to to these uh two uh, politicians and more generally uh, uh if, if i may ask you to draw the line between uh, uh conservatives who uh, are uh, who depict themselves as, as being part of the of the center uh, and conservatives who are uh, um, against the center i'd say uh, if, if if there can be any relationship between between them if there is any relationship uh, between uh, them or or um, the line is so 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 strong that that uh, there can be no dialogue between between this, these two sides it's a very good question i think that's a real problem for conservatives today uh, i mean by conservatives people who intellectually feel conservative Conservatives and who read who re read uh, Edmund Burke, who read, for example, uh, the philosopher um, Roger Scruton, who I knew quite well and who's kind of master for me. And he um, this old tradition of British conservatism, which doesn't really exist 
in continental Europe, but has some, you know, parallels in France, maybe more in Germany. I don't know very well about Central Europe, unfortunately, but I suppose all this tradition um, doesn't tell necessarily if you have to be on the center or if you have to be, can I say populist? I'm not saying like that um, as a judgment, like, but more as a descriptive kind of politics. But uh, I mean, just to finish on that, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the one to tell people, you are not a real conservative, you shouldn't name yourself as that. I mean, that I, wouldn't, I don't want to be in this position, but I can say what I think um, is the you know, true conservative position or is, is nearer what some intellectuals and politicians made of it in the, in the past. So, um, and I could start with saying, what is populism and why it i mean what is what 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 are some of the of the ingredients of populism and why it isn't conservative in the traditional sense so first of all in populism you have a very strong distinction between uh the people and the elite and it's very simplistically put um but conservative, conservatism deals with complexity and with reality. So conservatives wouldn't say, I think, the people are here, the elite is here, and the elite is bad, and the people are good. It has nothing to do with conservatism. Conservatism um, likes the people, but they like the elite as well. It's a very elitist, in the good sense, philosophy, because they like what is complex, which is complicated, they like the tradition, they like, uh, you know, everything that takes time to be built. So um, they have to like the elite in a way, then you can criticize the elite. But I won't, I wouldn't see, I couldn't imagine a conservative saying, we don't like elite at all, we don't want any elite, or all the elite is bad. So and, and in the past years, it was a bit of that discourse we had to hear, especially in America, for example. And, um, and, 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 and I would add that a lot of these people who say the elite is very bad at themselves, part of the elite, and it's more, it has more to do with a battle within the elite itself, in a way. So that's one point. Um, another point is that, as I said, complexity is, to me, part of the conservative point of view. Um, that the fact that the society is all, is an organism and an organism is complicated because you have a lot of interactions between different parts of society and you cannot plan it. You cannot decide from the top what society should look like. Um, and you, you would never be able to say, I have the solution to all your problem and vote for me. Um, and that's a populist stance. Populists tend to tend to tell, we know the problem, we know the solution, we are the best to implement it, so vote for, vote for us. And well, that's not a conservative um, solution. And maybe another point is the, the relationship to um, democracy and how democracy works. Uh, for conservatives, uh, democracy is something decentralized. So the conservatives have a lot of respect for authority, but at the same time, they understand that the government has to be accountable. And so the energy of the politics comes from the, the bottom. It's, it's, it's bottom up, it's not top down. 
among the populace, you see a lot of people who think, think, seem to think that power is good, power from the top is good, because it has all it, it has all the, the legitimacy is within this power, and it, it it isn't conservative because in this case you cannot really make power accountable uh, because the populace would tell you, well, because I am, have been chosen. I can do anything I want. This is my policy is better. I don't want to be accountable. And you see that sometimes in Marine Le Pen, for example, during the debate with Emmanuel Macron, so the debate before the second round, she was reminded of things she voted for or against in the EU parliament. And every time she was saying, I don't see the point of saying that. I don't think it's not relevant but it is relevant to see what she voted for or against. So for all these reasons, I don't see, I don't see the, the conservatives or, and uh, populists being able to work together. That being said, it's theoretical, what I'm saying. That being said, there is a theme that is common to both, which is the question of the nation. It is true that today, a populist, have decided to take on that very complicated subject. On the side of conservatives, the nation has always been very important. It's true. But I don't think the populists are the only ones able to defend the nation. There are different ways of defending it. Um, so as I said, I'm not a Macron supporter, but I have to recognize I don't it didn't destroy France at all. France is still an important nation. It did, and when Eric Zemmour said or Marine Le Pen that he destroyed France, I don't understand what they are talking about, to be honest. Um, so um, um, the question maybe for the conservatives who don't want to be populist, but don't want to be completely liberal and, and, and are not progressives, is to find a way to talk about the nation in a um, realistic way. So open, but not completely open to everything. And um, I think to, uh, I think that you know, the, the British conservatives do that well, because they are able to promote a free exchange of everything and still, you know, um, uh, be a nation and talk about the nation positively. So I think it's possible to do it, uh, but you have to you have to show the way you will talk about it. Take for example immigration. You can say that you want to control immigration and be uh, and, and not being a populist, but the way you will talk about it is very important. You you won't say things like Eric Zemmour said, for example that I don't know if he, he was talked about in Europe at the way as well, but he, he, he was thinking about a law to, uh, that, so that people don't name their children with a foreign name. But it's, I, I don't think it would be, you know, lawful, lawful at all. But anyway, it's a way a conservative couldn't talk about because if you integrate, if someone integrate into a country, it still has cultural roots. There is no contradiction at all. It's very possible. So you know that's kind. Of, I think it's a it's a hard it's a difficult project because today conservatives are or lib, what I call liberal conservatives. So they are between the populist and the macronist, if I can say. So I don't know if that and and answer your question, but that that. Was, <laughs>
that's how I would see the the question. That's, that's very interesting, uh, and I think I think in many other countries, especially in the central Central European countries, uh, the the other uh, thing that connects both populists and conservatives is the question of of of, of religion, or the kind of this 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 social sphere. Uh, so 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 the 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 position on I don't know same sex marriages, for example, uh, or, or or abortion. I know that in France it's very different. Excellent point. I completely forgot to talk about religion and. Maybe because politics, but religion in France is never politicized. And I mean, it's uh, it's too extreme sometimes. We don't have any space for religion in the political debate because of uh, our history of secularization, which is laicite and which is, which is more a fight against uh, religious involvement into yeah. the say, but I completely agree with you. And that's why also... Um, there is something within uh, Emmanuel Macron's political stance and among progressives, there is something that doesn't fit with liberal conservatism because um, progressives tend to despise religion, at least in France, mm -hmm. and saying that religion is something obscure and it's, it's similar to counter-enlightenment and it's, uh, it has nothing to do with uh, what morality should be. And I think it's... Well, that's my my opinion here. I think it's wrong because I think even if you are not religious, you can recognize everything that religion brings to society. And that's to me something completely lacking uh, among the progressives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course, of course. Okay. <laughs> Although Macron is also known, but he tried, I think, especially in the beginning of his term, to um, to attract some some of the Catholics, like through his speech in the uh, Collège de Bernardin, for example. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're completely right, and he it's it's so complicated with him because he does this and then he does that, and you cannot yeah. reconcile everything. Of course. So I think it was good for him to speak to um, religious uh, personalities in, in, in France, but there is no follow-up. So we, mm -hmm. nothing is, came from that. Mm -hmm. um, so I have no idea of, or, or if this is uh, a strategic thing for him, like mm -hmm. doing everything with everyone, or, or maybe if he lacks time, to everything you would like to do, or it's it's an it's a mystery. That's why I'm I'm talking about a mystery, Macron. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, you you mentioned uh, this um, top-down uh, element in the in the populist discourse uh, and and how they understand power. And, but that's it. That's maybe a part of a of a broader theme that you are bringing also in in your book about the the, the crisis of representation. In, in France, and and this the, the need for the uh, for this uh, for something in between uh, yes. the state and, and citizens. Uh, so so I, I would, I'd like to I would like to maybe to, to ask you uh, about that. So what what, what could it, could it be uh, more precisely this this in, in between? How could we because that, that's a more general point I think uh, also that concerns not only France. We see that representative democracy is 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 in crisis in many uh, places 
including uh, Brussels and the European Union, uh, but also uh, other, other, other European states, I think. Uh, uh, there is this problem of, of, of representation of parliamentary democracy. Turnout is, is lower and lower in, in, in many countries. Uh, and, and, the, and there is this discussion about, so how, how could we reform it? And you're writing about this, this sphere in between. So if I could ask you more about, uh, to, to tell us a bit more about this. No, it's exactly that. Uh, representation is very important and it's under attack. And I think sometimes it's very unfair because uh, I think in our time where we spend a lot of time judging everything, especially you know, on the internet. I mean, we, we, we just, I'm not on, on social networks for that reason, but the social network is a place where you, you, you spend your time judging everything and you think you are very able to, to judge and to express your opinion all the time. And then probably you think, well, I could express my political opinion much more often and it's, it's easy. I'm not heard enough and it's not fair. And that's a danger because I think we forget that uh, representation is not, uh, the representation is not made to um, just circulate a message. It's made so that we choose uh, people who have a, some judgment and not, their, not an opinion, but judgment. And it's not my distinction. It comes from Edmund Burke, who, who made a very famous speech on that in Bristol. And then it's a superb speech where he explains what is a representative is for. And it's for that. So he says a representative doesn't have to just convey your opinion. He has to just exercise his, at, at the time his, <laughs> or now it would be his or her judgment, um, which I find very good. This being said, there is um, a kind of democratic fatigue at the moment. And I, can, I could speak for France, because I don't know the situation in other countries very well. I could speak about Britain as well, but about France, we have a system which is completely disconnected with, uh, I think, the times and what people are today. We have, um, so for those who wouldn't know the French system, we have a president and he's elected every five years. But the president, he's not accountable um, on his policy. Um, before a parliament is only accountable before in the uh, the voters every five years but we have the, the 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 body being accountable is the government the government is uh chosen by i mean the the president it's not really official but he accepts the government that the prime minister chooses, but it's obviously made by the president. And the government is made through elections every five years. So our next elections will be in one month, one month and a half. So it's to elect, so the, the national, uh, national Assembly, and then we have a Senate. But the National Assembly uh, before was elected every five years. The president was elected every seven years. And it was a bit weird, but the, the, the effect was that the president was not as much involved in daily politics. He could be more, you know, above and supervise everything and leave the daily things to the government. Now it's everything is every five years. So it's very weird because we have an election for a president. A month later, we have an election for National Assembly. And it, it looks as if we had a prime minister and a, and a majority, 
So it's in the other way around. So we, do, we choose the president, then we choose the majority with the prime minister. It's such a mess. So we have, and, and, and still the president is not accountable. So to me, it's a real problem to have two people uh, being the head of the executive body. So that's the first problem. The second problem is that, as I say, the president is not accountable, but he decides everything. And then you have um, so the fact that, so in, for that reason, you cannot say, for example, if the policy, the governance politic is not good, you cannot, the, the assembly cannot make a vote of no confidence and change the prime minister. It's it, it, just because of, of a, a policy that wouldn't fit. So that makes everything very rigid. And another thing is that you, we don't have a propor proportionality. So I don't know how it is said in, in English, but we have a majority yeah. system to choose a, a parliament member, meaning that the small parties are very, very um, light in parliament. In parliament, in National Assembly, I think we have for now eight deputies from Rassemblement National. But this is the party who at the latest election, so the five years ago, who had, um, I think Marine Le Pen did about 36 or 35, not, I don't remember exactly, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't work, it doesn't fit. So people feel um, despised and not heard. I don't think it's personal. We shouldn't put it in an emotional way. We just should be a bit more, just talk about institutions and not people and just say the institutions don't fit what people want to see, want to have. So I think there it's time for a change. Um, if you take France history, uh, we had something called the Third Republic. It was very long. It was after, at the end of the uh, 19th century until uh, the Second World War. And then we had we had president who did nothing. And we had like the equivalent of a prime minister with a majority system. So the majority election system, it is, could be okay. I mean, but we could also have more proportionality in the in the way uh, deputies are chosen. So that's one the first thing that that's the way representative government representative uh, democracy could change in France. The second problem is, as I said earlier, that people want to express themselves very often. So I think it's time to have more something of a direct democracy in our country. And I'm not. I mean, I'm right a lot about that in my book. So I thought a lot about that. And my, my analysis is that times have changed. And I compare that to Alexis de Tocqueville's time. In Alexis de Tocqueville's time, democracy was rising in America. And France was having a, um, a parliamentary monarchy. But democracy was advancing in the minds of people. And Tocqueville said, well, I am not a Democrat and definitely not by birth because he was an aristocrat, but I think democracy is coming and we cannot do anything against it. That's why we have to adapt to it the best we can. And I think that's exactly the same today. I think the spirit of our times is to something much more direct. It's how we are. And I don't think we can do anything against it. So I think it would be better to adapt it for the best in politics, meaning a direct democracy. So, for example, 
uh, what is called a référendum d'initiative citoyenne. I don't know at all what that would be in English, but it's referendums proposed by people and then when everyone has to vote. Um, I think that's what, that could be very interesting because it's very different to vote and to click. When you click, it has no bearings, real bearings on, on your future and your country. So you are not very rational. You can say whatever you want. You can give your, it's very different when you are told this is important. You decide something for um, your country and your fellow citizen. So you have to take it seriously. And I'm sure, and it's the case in the countries using referendums like this, people have to inform themselves. They have to read, they have to discuss. And they 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 um, take a, they make a decision, and it's very paradoxical. But in Switzerland, for example, since uh, the 18th century, when they adopted the these kind of referendums, um, I think only eight percent of, of referendums were adopted. That means that actually people behave very conservatively when they have to vote a lot because they are faced to real decisions, and I think that would probably help our politics in French politics being less um, idealistic and utopian and, you know, having ideas that have been, um, and I mean, invalidated uh, years ago, but that people keep bringing, like, for example, Jean-Luc Jean Mélenchon, who wants a quasi-socialization of, <laughs> of the country, so that, uh, I mean, we could we could try things and we could maybe decide not to try things because we would be faced with some, something much more mature. So that's, you know, that's how I would, that's what I would suggest to there. So, so change the way representative democracy is working in France and then think about a more direct way um, for our democracy to live. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if I may now ask, you mentioned Mr. Mélenchon, and we got one question uh, about that uh, uh, from our, our viewers. Uh, um, the uh, uh, viewer is asking, uh, what is the success, the reason of success uh, of, of Mr. Mélenchon, and can he become the next Prime Minister of France as, as he would like to be? Um, well, he would like a lot of things. So, but the question is to know if he's... Uh, he can be the prime, a prime yeah, minister. No, what are the reasons of his success? That ah, that okay, thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's a very good question. Um, well, first, Socialist Party is, is, is dead, almost dead in France. So people who are on the left, and I mean um, socially, but also economically, that's very important on the economic side of the, the, of the debate. Um, they won't find, I don't think they will find in Macron what they want. It's, it's a bit weird because Emmanuel Macron actually has a very normal social policy for France. He didn't change anything to the social system. We spend a lot of money uh, in social spending. What he did was to lower taxes, especially for rich people. So it's a bit of, a, you know, I see sometimes Jean-Luc Mélenchon vote as a, you know, as a signal that um, you don't like Macron's policy, even if you don't see necessary changes in your daily life. 
So uh, that's that's something, you know, it's a bit of um, um ah, how to say that in, in English. Just to show that you 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 don't support these politics, but you don't necessarily see the, the, the impact of them. So you have the the, the the fall of the Socialist Party. You have something else, which is uh, it's interesting to sociologically to see um, who votes for Mélenchon. You have different categories. You have people um, living in the, in the suburbs of big cities. These people tend to be, uh, of course, poorer, and some are from uh, foreign origins. So some are um, Muslims, and some are older French. They are from um, Mag Maghreb countries. So there is a tendency to vote on the left in these um, in these areas because way uh, you could put it differently. Uh, if I were mean, I would say that the left had, ha, has had a tendency to build a clientele. So if, if, I don't know if the name, the wording is... It, yes, it, yes, okay. clientelism as a system, yeah. I think that that's uh, recommended. So, meaning a lot of helps, help subsidies uh, to this area. And uh, I think it's, it's partly true because I don't think the left's telling them you need to emancipate yourself from this area and we will help you. It's as if they would prefer they stay in this situation and give them subsidies, but that's my that's my comment. <laughs> so uh, just to explain why they are so successful, another thing is that these people obviously they they don't like Marine Le Pen, they don't like uh, for and Zemmour for very understandable reasons. And um, if they want uh, if they want to be sure that they are still helped by the state, and because they are. Obviously, they, they don't like the racist, um, you know, the racist aspect of Zemmour's, um, well, discourse. And less Marine Le Pen, but it's still in the history of the, of the party. If they, if they see that, they will go on the left. So some, some voted for Macron five years ago, but now it's more, it's clear that these parts of, of France will vote for Jean-Luc Mélenchon. So that's the second reason. There is a third reason, and that's the and you see it in big cities uh, in this first round that uh, Macron was probably what, very high, but Mélenchon was very high too. And this is another population. This is a very educated people who tends to vote on the left on economic and social issues. There you would find all the people who are very attracted to I would say, we would say in front woke policies and stances, and then they would uh, like Jean-Luc Mélenchon because he's the one who is the most like this in, uh, in, in the French politics. And um, there is also something very interesting that was re um, underlined by, I don't know if you know um, this uh, French intellectual called Emmanuel Todd. Mm -hmm, yeah. And he, he worked a lot about um, uh, education in mm -hmm. France, and the fact that obviously we we have much more people educated, highly educated now in France, mm -hmm. but sometimes their revenue and their social status doesn't fit um, their um, education um, status. Mm -hmm. So they feel a disconnection, mm -hmm. uh, a kind of, um, you know, um, déclassement, we would say in French. And mm -hmm. because they feel that, they tend to vote on the left very much. So Mélenchon, I think, is a very good strategic uh, politician. Mm -hmm. He was able to unify these very different people mm 
mm-hmm. um, in the same um, party, if you want, movement. Uh, I don't know if it's lasting, and I don't think he could be prime minister because there is really an opposition in France between um, people who vote for Macron and people who vote for Mélenchon, yeah. especially on the economic side. Mm-hmm. Actually, if I wanted to sum up, I mean, people who vote for Macron are um, people who are uh, high status, richer people, they want lower taxes. It doesn't fit at all with Mélenchon's programme, who is very mean towards these people and who very often said that uh, Emmanuel Macron was le président des riches, meaning uh, rich, the rich people's president. So I hope I understand, I answer the question because it's a, it's a hard one. No, it's it, it was a very a very rich answer. And if, if I now may ask the, the last question, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Roger Scruton. You also translated one of his books to to, to French. Uh, um, you said that it was one of your of your of your masters, and you were also in, in Britain uh, at the time of Brexit. Brexit supported by by, by Scruton. So, so I wanted to ask you. Uh, about your take on Brexit now, five or six years after after the refer- six years now uh, after the referendum, and, uh, and maybe one more question, the additional one: If you think that that, that uh, 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 Brexit or Frexit would be a way to go for France? So two questions. Two questions. Yes. Brexit, yeah, Brexit, and Frexit. Yes. Um, so your question on Brexit is: Was how? Do, well, I love Britain. Um, and I, I've always been struck by the energy of this country, of mm-hmm. these people. They are able to face adverse circumstances very well. Uh, they never complain. <laughs> I mean, there are things negative as well in this country, and may, I won't say them. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think they are up to uh, anything because. Uh, To be honest, I couldn't make up my mind on Brexit at the time because um, uh, on the one hand, I had like everyone, all the data, the fact, what they would risk uh, in choosing that option. So rationally and also for Europe, I I think it's 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 a loss for Europe, a loss of diversity. Um, So... On that, and, and especially as well, last things, uh, a pandemic and a war, in this, in those times, we definitely need to be united. So for all these reasons, uh, I, was, uh, I was a bit anxious a lot. But on the other hand, I think a country is suffering. So uh, we shouldn't criticize them from here just telling me you shouldn't do that but it's it's they are so they are sovereign it's their decision so at the time i was thinking if they want to quit let them quit because it doesn't work and even if it's a small majority of people who want it it's the way democracy works so uh i was always in between so i didn't really you know um i i re- i remember being a bit you know <laughs> Not having a, a very strong position, or it is a strong position, maybe because I'm just defending both. Um, so with time, I think they are okay. Maybe you know they may have probably 10, 15 years difficult. Uh, 
I mean, it, it's not perfect, but they really, they are able to, to succeed. I see that and um, they, they, they will do it. So I don't think it's a, it's, if it's a problem, it's more for Europe. And as I said, the unity of, uh, you know, of our um, different societies. But I was so during the, the war, uh, we see the UK is still, you know, very much involved in, in the NATO and it's because of the proximity with America, of course. They chose between Europe and America, in a sense. And, uh, you know, it's a very good sign to see that when, when democracy needs to be defended, they are up to the task. You know, they spend money, they give uh, arms. I mean, it's a... Um, and, and that's why I was a bit... I, I didn't like the fact that a lot of com commentators said that Boris Johnson was... Uh, as populist as Trump or Marine Le Pen, or I don't know what, because this, these are different kind of populists, if you want to call Boris Johnson a populist, which I don't, I'm not sure he is, but um, because he's on the side of democracy. We, we tend to forget that he represents one of the uh, oldest democracies, uh, not democracy, it's a monarchy, but well, uh, oldest parliamentary, parliamentary systems of the world. And so the tradition of liberty is so, uh, you know, ingrained in the UK that, I mean, you cannot do as if it was a, a, another Trump or someone who's really despise, uh, despises uh, uh, check and balances, uh, you know, parliament, uh, democracy, democratic debate. So, well, that being said, yes, I, uh, I, I always trust, trust the fact they would uh, be still with us. So I think we have a complicated relationship with them and especially France. France has a horrible relationship with, with UK at the moment. And I'm, I'm, I'm very sad about that. But in, on the whole, I think they are doing well. On your question about Frexit, um, well, I don't think we have the same energy because again, if we had a vote, uh, and uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I, I would probably vote to say, I, I would vote and campaign to stay in, in Europe. But if the result was we are leaving, I would accept that. But I don't see the energy in France just to be up the task because I don't think that people who want to leave the EU in France understand what that means. They keep complaining about the EU, but uh, EU is also a, a protective force for, for us in commerce in law uh, and in, in geopolitics at the moment. But I don't think it's a, it's a possibility now that uh, the Frexit is, is you know, offered as an option. I don't, even Marine Le Pen doesn't include it in her program. Although when you read her program, there are things you cannot do <laughs> and stay in the EU. But anyway, uh, that's probably a discussion for another time to talk about the relationship between the EU and, and its members. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was it was extremely rich. And uh, Leticia, thank you so much. It was it was really thank you so a, much. a pleasure. And we hope to to uh, to host you again. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. And thank you to, for everyone. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much.